Hey, y'all, this is Ashley, also known as Bored Becky, and you're listening to Fired Up on the Blockchain with Travi. This is OSF, and I'm getting wrecked with Travi. And I'm like, Travi, come on now, like, you, you got this under control. Yo, what's up, it's G-Love, and I'm fired up with Travi. This is Danielle Petty, co-founder of the 90s Babes, and you're listening to Fired Up on the Blockchain with Travi. What's up? It's your Web3 bestie, Liz Morrison, and I'm Toy Encendida en la cadena de bloques con Travi. What up, y'all? This is Sammy Ariaga. I'm fired up on the blockchain with Travi. I'm Ray Isla, and I'm fired up on the blockchain with Travi. What's up, world? It's Spotty Wi-Fi, the king of the crypto punks, and you are now tuned in to Fired Up on the Blockchain with my guy, Travi. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends and DGens, for the thousands in attendance and the millions listening in podcast land, my name is Travi, and we are Fired Up on the Blockchain. Hey, Travi, let's effing go. Welcome to Fired Up on the Blockchain with Travi. This is Travi. This is episode 46, and I am incredibly happy and thankful and blessed to have you here. Whether this is episode one for you or episode 46 for you, it's all good. If you want to catch up on any of the stuff that we've talked about on this podcast, you can go on back. We've got musicians, we've got artists, we've got founders, we've got real ones in the NFT and Web3 space, and today is no different. Today I'm going to have a chat with my man OSF, who you might know as founder and artist of The Wrecked Guy NFT, that's R-E-K-T, and you might also know from Rug Radio, famously with Mando and of course Farouk, very, very popular Twitter space series and much, much more. And that's going to be about a 45-minute conversation, uh, and we'll get into that in just a little bit. But I do have a little bit of news for you. First, big shout out and thank you to everyone who's been making this possible. You, by listening, by sharing on Twitter and the socials and commenting and participating in giveaways and all that stuff. Uh, but a few things have been happening that have been so exciting. First, again, thank you to my affiliate partner, Unstoppable Domains. I uh, just love having Unstoppable as an affiliate. You can check out the show notes, find out how to get your Unstoppable domain and develop your digital identity today. You can get a .x, a .bitcoin, a .wallet, .dow, .nft, .crypto. It goes on and on. And they just have so many more integrations. It's really fun to keep track of what they're doing. So check out Unstoppable. And a big thank you to my friends at the Disco Studios who, without their friendship, I don't know that I can make this next announcement. So let me give some props to Disco Studios. It's literally an artist house within a Discord, but also they have a website and all that's in the show notes. But what I want to tell you is the Journey NFT is housed in the Disco Studios Discord right among my favorite and some of the most successful NFT artists, one-of-one artists, people who have been so incredibly inspirational, and some major collectors pay upwards of a few ETH even for just one of their pieces. Um, Incredibly humbled to be part of Disco Studios. And thanks to that relationship and relationship with the OG Collective and some others in the space, I had a chance to link up with some great people, including Debbie Soon and Lorraine Yee of thehug.xyz. And let me tell you why that's a big deal. The Journey NFT, the brand that I found that I created along with Tyler Vaughn, the artist, Fanzo, a partner on a project along with Selly from Crypto Tech Women and doing a whole lot of great marketing things in her own right. Was able to link up with a hug, so we're officially featured on the hug. Now, first, I have to remind you the journey NFT. A lot of people call it NFTs for good, a social good component. There's going to be a lot of fun stuff for holders, but the two overarching missions are that we're creating a grant fund for kids whose art, music, STEM, and theater programs are being defunded from their public schools. Many of you know I worked in public schools and I worked with kids for many, many, many years, longer than I want to admit. But I do have to say I've seen what happens when some of the funding does get cut and how important it is to have that in place. And as somebody who worked on that side of things, 
I know how the grant process and procedures work. So it's going to be wonderful to have the Journey NFT in our community talk about, plan on, voting on who's going to get some of our grant funds. I think it's super cool to be able to do that. And of course, we have an artist support fund. So we're not only building a gallery, we're going to display that gallery in the metaverse. This is a gallery where we're literally using funds from every mint that go right into an artist support fund to support artists currently selling their work and their art and their music on the blockchain. And it's called The Journey because we're showing the kids if you stay on the right track and continue along your journey in a positive way, you very well could be selling your art, your music on the blockchain, just like these current artists are doing. And listen, that's the future of how we're gonna do things in this world. Let's get these kids started. And again, I've seen what happens when those programs are not in school. So we're gonna do our best to continue to inspire and continue to motivate and continue to make things really positive in this Web3 space. So speaking of positive, I do have to tell you about The Hug. If you're not sure, if you haven't read up on The Hug, if this is new to you, why is it such a big deal? Why is Travis spending a few minutes talking about it? The Hug is founded by Randy Zuckerberg and Debbie Soon. So The Hug is the most inclusive destination for artists and collectors in Web3. So the tools and programs are created for creators, by creators, and through social curation, community, and education. The Hug helps current and aspiring creators connect with a broader audience. They're committed to building a more diverse and inclusive Web3 ecosystem, or as The Hug likes to call it, the Inclusiverse. So they're giving plenty of hugs along the way. They're welcoming experts in. And when you see some of the names, they've got Randy Zuckerberg as their founder and CEO. Debbie Soon, who I mentioned, is a co-founder and a chief growth officer. Alex Kavalakis is uh, the COO and head of product. Um, shout out with what's going on with the Meta Angels. Just so many cool things. And as you take a look at some of the advisors, you're going to see some amazing folks in there. You're going to see some people who are titans of industry doing some really, really big things um, in the real world, (laughs) the real world, Uh, and also this world that I live in, which is this Web3 sort of hybrid uh, universe right now. So anyway, big shout out to The Hug. The journey is humbled to be there. Uh, We're also humbled that uh, you stick around with us here for episode 46. So we're going to get into it today with my good buddy, OSF. Uh, And we're going to celebrate a little bit of the art in the NFT space, the art, the social networking and all the fun things that go along with that right after today's really short NFT uterine session. Hey, 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 it's time for school. Yes, that's right. It's time for school. I'll try to make this one quick because we have OSF on the other side of this. Today, I'm going to talk real quick about the difference between one of one art and editions. Now, just like in regular life, you know what an edition is or a limited edition drop where there's a certain amount of them. Now, in one of one, it's exactly what it sounds like. There's only one of them. It's stamped on the blockchain. It's kind of like having a deed, a title, a certificate of authenticity. If you're a one of one collector, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're somebody getting into the space now and you're not quite sure you want to drop that much ETH or that much dollars on a, a NFT, a one of one, start looking at some additions. Some are limited where there might be five or 10 or you know even 100 where they're all identical. So that'll allow you to get into somebody's ecosystem, understand an artist a little bit more. If you're now looking at some of the trends in the space, open editions are currently trending, which means that there's no limit to the amount you can purchase as long as it's purchased within a certain time window. Some people out there have have differing thoughts on whether they like editions or open editions or they prefer one of one art. I'm not throwing shade to anybody. I'm just telling you these all exist right now. So right now the open editions are trending. You take a look at some of the artists and then a lot of those artists do have their one of one art for sale as well. So check that out. I hope you understand a little bit more about editions, open editions, and one-of-ones as we get into talking a lot about that stuff today with my buddy, OSF. Let's get into it. Today is a special treat for me, and I know a lot of listeners out there who are super enthusiastic and really foaming at the mouths. You know what I'm talking about if you're a holder of the Wrecked Guy NFT. I'm here with somebody who's been all over the place, whether it's the Twitters, whether it's somebody who's representing their community to the fullest, you know, and also on the Twitter spaces, uh, you'll catch them regularly on Rug Radio uh, with Mando and, of course, Farouk. And you'll see him live and in person if you can make your way to some NFT events and conferences. And that, of course, is the one and only OSF. It's such a treat to have you here uh, fired up on the blockchain with Travi. OSF, thank you for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. 
So what's, what's really cool about this, so this is a treat for me, obviously. I'm a big fan and supporter of yours. But a big part of that is because I had a chance to meet you in person in a couple of different NFT events. Uh, we got a chance to cross paths at NFT London. I saw you down in Basel for a little bit there um, at one of the events. And you know we'll, we'll hit on it a little bit later, but and I've said this a lot recently, the people who continue to show up, especially during this bear market, are the ones that we want to ride with, the ones that continue to build, the ones that continue to put out content uh, and just do all, all sorts of things in this space. And so OSF, I have to ask you, you know, as somebody who a lot of people in the audience may know of and, and you know if they google the the r-e-k-t uh, the rect guy they'll kind of see that trending all over the place who is the man who is osf who is this person uh, before the rect guy nft came out that you know so many of us have kind of grown to love yeah sure it's a, it's a good question actually um so before i was in crypto and nfts and stuff i used to work as a trader i used to work at barclays and i spent um probably like six years in London. I spent three years in New York and yeah, that was just my career. Like I graduated from university, spent, um, and it's quite an intensive job. So basically most of my life was that job. It was, I don't know, 10 to 12 hours a day and maybe sometimes some weekends, but yeah, that's what I was doing for almost 10 years before, um, before I discovered crypto and NFTs and, and web three, et cetera. So it's, it's pretty funny because we talk sometimes about everyone's like origin stories. And, you know, I, I knew that you were a trader uh, in, uh, you know, with, with Barclays and stuff. But I think one of the funny things is, I, I, at least for me and some of my friends who are more content creators and certainly artists in the space who weren't always artists in the space, we come in with a, a sort of... Um, I guess you can call it like imposter syndrome. Like when you really care about what you're putting out, you kind of want other people to like it, but you're not really sure, but you're like, ah, whatever, I'm just going to go ahead and, and hit that button and, and put it out there. Um, I read a story about how the first wrecked guy came to be. And, and I believe it does have something to do with your days as a trader. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So I think that was the first day. So I started trading crypto and NFTs and stuff while I was working at Barclays and I never thought I would leave my job to do it full time. But as time went on and like, you know, you had this great bull market in 2021, so you'd make more money trading this stuff. And as I spent more time in it, I kind of believed in it more and more. And this thought was on my mind where it's like, should I just, should I just YOLO and like quit my job and quit my job that I've been working at for a decade and just like go do this stuff full time. It's way more fun. It's way more interesting. And I think there was, <laughs> there was one point in September 21, I was just sitting at my desk and I was you know, I started trading a new book and I just couldn't like, couldn't bring myself to read what I was supposed to read. It was, I just did not find it interesting. And so I started doodling on my page and I just doodled this picture of a, of a skull with like wearing a hoodie, he had a coffee cup in his hand. Um, and that's the first thing, like I drew a wrecked guy and, um, that was before I'd minted any actual artwork. And I think that piece for me is significant. Well, that doodle for me is significant because, I think that's the first time I actually remember thinking, you know what, I'm just going to quit and go to, go do this stuff full time. And I think it was probably like a week later, Manda and I went to our boss and said, Hey, look, we want to, we want to quit. We want to quit Barclays and we want to go into and, and do NFTs full time. So, um, that's when I first doodled that character. Um, I then the first NFT that I made, that was a piece of art was that character just holding a coffee mug. And then, um, the character became like a recurring, the character became a recurring character in the, in the pieces of art that I was creating. And then in January later, I had the idea of making it into a PFP project. And I thought, you know what, like, um, this character's in all my artwork. People can kind of start to recognize it now. And I don't, the, the mint was free. So I didn't want to like make it something that I was charging for and a cash grab or anything like that. And I just really wanted it to be an extension of my art and, and nothing more. Um, and that's how, that's kind of how it all came to be. So, and, and you've got some pretty, you know, you've got a rabid fan base, but you've also got some pretty notable holders. I know Cosmo Di Medici and Snoop were some of your, you know, your notable holders up front. And I do have to say this, somebody who is even harder to impress probably than those folks is my wife. And when I showed her some of your pieces, she was just like, this is really cool. Like, why doesn't everybody do stuff like this with some of the animations and the, the lights and the features and those kind of things? And that kind of brings me to some of the, you know, some of the, the pieces that you have put out. That's kind of really like, 
you know, you started off as kind of like a doodle, as you mentioned, and then did a Freeman, which is funny because, you know, in being a creator myself and sort of having, you know, my own NFT brand, I struggled too with the idea of like, do I want to charge for something that I haven't like done my whole, like I'm not an artist. I haven't been an artist my whole life, but you know, you do, you, you've grabbed people's attention in a way that not a lot of founders, not a lot of other communities have been able to sort of garner. And, and you do see a lot of times different waves of, of people kind of flipping in, in volume in, in certain projects, but yours just is different. Like wrecked guy is just a, a, on a different level. Um, if you're not, again, if you're out there and you haven't gotten into it yet, there's a ton of different things that you can look for. And some of the additions out there, even too, that have a little bit of, of a more affordable entry, entry point. I know it's all relative, but you had some things like a Penrose hotel. I loved, I read what you did for your groomsmen. Was it for your wedding that, that you did this addition for them? It was, yeah, yeah. That was my that was my groomsman gift. I love that. That's that's super cool too. And I, I told them if any of them list them, I'll kill them. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. None of them are listed. Uh, and also, you know, I I love the, I love the wrecked cities. We'll talk about that in a little bit too. Um, and one thing that hits home for me is um, the wrecked show, the wrecked show um, NFT kind of edition that you put out there, because. A lot of people who are involved in sort of the, the wrecked guy community, if, if that's what we want to call it, you know, know you as somebody who puts on these great parties. I, I, re- I remember at NFT NYC, um, I think Beeple showed up to the event. And then in London, um, I walked in and the first thing that they said was don't take any pictures. So I was like, this is going to be great. Um, and, it, and it was a really, really great time. Um, but I do have to say this, if you're listening out there and you picked up an extra bag with a hoodie in it, that's mine. So I'm still sad over the fact that my, my wrecked guy hoodie got left behind that day with some really cool artwork that I actually had in the bag too. But anyway, so all that is to say, you know, what I've talked a little bit about you showing up yourself at conferences and things like that. What is it for you that you find so important for, you know, putting on a, this type of party or this type of gathering for your holders who support you so much? I think, yeah, I think we want to put, look, we earn, we earn royalties, right? Well, we did earn royalties before all this blur stuff, but, um, and it's like, cool. How do we put that to use? So our holders benefit from it. And one thing that I think is really underestimated in the space, maybe not so much anymore is these in real life gatherings and get togethers and, I'd been to a few of them, not a lot of them. And my observation was, look, I, I didn't really enjoy any of them that much because you either go to like this massive party where there's like hundreds of people and everyone's like kind of wasted and you can't really like speak to people. It's like too loud. The environment's kind of weird. Um, or you go to these big events during the day and it's just like very crowded or impossible to get to. And you kind of have the same atmosphere or you go to these talks at conferences and there's like no one there. They're empty. So, so I was like, in my head, I'm like, okay, what, what kind of, uh, what kind of event would I enjoy doing? And I think for me, it was number one, it should feel intimate. Like it should be not a huge venue, but big enough that it's not crowded, but you can actually speak to people and, and have conversations. The second thing was like, let's make it something different, you know, like, um, not just a DJ and music and like a bunch of alcohol, like have some kind of like a wow factor that people can speak about afterwards and look we've we held them at the book we held the event so far at the box in new york we held the event at the box in london and i don't want to tell you what happens at, at these events but um and, and you've been you've been to them and you know exactly what goes down but it's something that i think people talk about afterwards it's something that has like this hard-hitting wow factor and most importantly i think it's something that provokes a reaction and that's something that i've always thought about when creating my art i want to provoke some kind of reaction, even if that reaction is a negative reaction, at least someone walks away thinking about it and it's in their head. And I think to, for me, that's what art is about. And people who put on events and, and put on big shows will tell you it's an art in itself. And definitely what the box does is, is an art, I think. And it provokes reactions. I think no one goes to these events and doesn't come away thinking like, Oh wow. Like I'm either gobsmacked or that was insane or that was ridiculous or just some kind of like, um, uh, shock, I think. And, that's the idea behind doing the events that we've done because I think it's something very different and and something that no one else does in this space. It's true. And I, I do think it's on brand for what, you know, the rec guy is um, something that's a little bit different. 
uh, w- let me ask you this then, you know, we, we talked about already some of the additions and some of the things that, that you've done with your art. Let's talk about the rec guy himself. You know, the R-E-K-T, rect is, is a term that we use uh, in trading and NFTs and things like that. Um, but, you know, but you've got, you've got art and there's, like I said, there's some animations to it, whether kind of the background glows a little bit um, or, you know, some of, the, um, some of the accessories and things like that. Who, who is the rec guy? If somebody is, is out there just like, <laughs> just really trying to get into sort of the soul of, of, of you know, who this is, you know, we, we know where, where it stemmed from. We know what wrecked means in, in our, you know, in our sort of training community. But what about this sort of personality, this character? Yeah, look, I think wrecked guy is meant to be like the everyday man or woman who's in crypto in, in Web3. And, you know, I know it's called wrecked guy, but it's meant to encompass everything. But there's a lot of like the other thing and the other inspiration for it is like you go to open scene, look at profile picture projects and there's like so many cute animal projects with pastel colored backgrounds. And I get it. Like people like to look at them and it's all nice and makes you feel warm inside. Um, and there's certainly a market for it. But I think the idea behind wreck guy was like, you know what? Like at the end of the day, so many people come into crypto and they get wrecked and getting wrecked doesn't necessarily mean like, losing, um, losing money on a trade. It can be like getting hacked or getting scammed or, um, you know, we went through 2022, which is a huge bear market. Lots of people got wrecked, but you can, you can get wrecked in bull markets. Think about how many times you've bought the top of some random shit coin in a bull market, whatever, like this concept, um, just encompasses like, uh, something that everyone goes through at some point within crypto. And it is such a big part of crypto. And it's something that, um, I just felt like it can be celebrated. You know, it doesn't have to be like, um, oh, this stuff's really bad. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to put it in a form of art. Um, it can be like, you know what? Let's just like embrace that it happens in a way that's kind of like part of the fun. It's a, it's a, um, you know, it's just like a rite of passage to get, to get wrecked. And, um, that's what this person is. This person is meant to be the everyday person. That's actually like realistic. This isn't just like a cute, fluffy animal that, that goes through life, um, happy 100% of the time. This is like, a realistic version of a person who's probably going to get wrecked at some point um, or probably already has got wrecked. Yeah. And like you said, a lot of us have uh, a lot of us, you know, know people who have, and um, you know, I think one thing that's interesting too, you know, coming from a trading background um, yeah, this, this wasn't something I was you know planning to ask you, but it, it is a, an interesting rabbit hole. And when you see people, you know, whether they're, they're investing in stocks or, or crypto um, and you know, those, those prices can fluctuate um, obviously but NFTs is kind of like a different kind of thing. It's a container. A lot of people call it a container for your ETH and, and things like that. What do you think, you know, somebody out there right now, if they're, we have a lot of people who are fully in on Web3 who listen to this, but there's also some casual you know, people who are just kind of like, why is this Travi guy always talking about NFTs all the time? Um, you know, what do, what do you think is a good way to sort of explain to people who maybe are into stocks, maybe they understand, m- maybe not like what crypto is, because clearly there's a lot of speculation still involved in, in, in what crypto is or whatever. Um, but certainly there is with NFTs as well. But people who, you know, have followed stocks, who have traded stocks, understand that, you know, the value is, you know, a part of, you know, the, you get shares in a company and that kind of thing. If somebody's getting into the NFT space, as somebody who's seen seen a lot from the financial side, like you have on the trader side and things, what's a really good way to explain to them? Um, and, and I'll tell you why I ask like this. You know, a lot of us have said, don't buy an NFT if you're if it's not money that you could stand to lose. So make sure that it's something, whether it's the community you're buying in for, the educational component of getting to meet people, uh, maybe learn from somebody like yourself. Uh, or even just, you know, someone who loves the art or the music is something that, you know, even if ETH or whatever, the price of that went down to zero, it's still got to be something that you enjoy. But, you know, what would be a good way that you would like to maybe explain to kind of like that onboarding conversation, somebody getting into NFTs for the first time? Yeah, I just think um, you should view NFTs as this like hybrid product. On the one hand, they can be considered as art and collectibles and you know it's no difference to trading baseball cards or pokemon cards or i don't know like marbles or whatever it is like um stamps coins like there's this idea of like things being rare it's being collectible it's something that you want to have you want to hoard and you want to keep and enjoy owning and and looking at it and this idea of collectability and collectibles has been around for probably centuries and you know you can just go there's a street in London called German Street. Um, it's actually not German Street, but it's, it's close to it in Mayfair. And 
there's a shop which says rare books and there's another shop that says like rare antiques and you look at some of the stuff and they're like worth hundreds of thousands of dollars or like millions of dollars and it's just like some random book that most people haven't even heard of so if you compare that to the nft prices it starts to make a bit more sense because there is a market for people wanting to collect these things now the nft so they're just it's it's the that technology allows you to prove ownership in a, in a digital format and it's digital authentication so that's where the the whole NFT part of it comes in, but that's just one part of what they are. So you, they're also on mostly the Ethereum blockchain, but can be on other blockchains, and therefore they have some correlation because of their if they're priced in ETH or they're priced in Solano or priced in in um, I don't know Cardano. Like all the they will have their price will also be have this um, FX volatility. So like the price volatility of the of ETH versus the dollar, if you like. Um, so that's another component of where the value can come in and, um, crypto is correlated to stocks and correlated to NASDAQ specifically. And that's all affected by the macro economy, the fed, like corporate earnings, all this kind of stuff. Right. So the way that I view them is like there's 50, 50 product where it's like you have, um, all the stuff about the collectibles market, which humans understand quite a lot, but then because of the way that they're priced and because of the market participants, the things that actually affect their value all also include things that would affect the value of just any stock or bond or, or any financial asset. Um, and that's how I think you have to view them. And, you know, that's why some people say, look, only buy things if you like the art and you're in it for the art, which is fine. If you want to buy something, and you're happy just to own it forever, then you never really have to worry. Um, but then some, this, this idea of it being correlated to financial assets to um, traditional markets gives you this ability to speculate in a way more liquid fashion that you can do in, in other collectibles markets. And that's why it's attracted so many traders, which I think is, um, I personally think is great. A lot of people that doesn't, don't like it, but I think it's great because you don't have this amazing hybrid asset that's just so liquid and trades, but you have all these different things that it's, that it's pulled together. And the best thing about it is it's unified so many different worlds, right? You, this is the intersection of art, gaming, technology, and these things, um, and finance. And these things have never all been unified into like one thing at the same time. Which I think is brilliant because, like, I've just met so many people um, through this space. Like, I'm a finance person. I've met so many people who are artists or um, coders or you know, like, like marketing people. You name it. And I think there's no other. There really is no other product or industry which brings in so many different talent pools, which I think is really amazing. Yeah, well said. And to each their own. You know, if you get into this for a collector, you know, collector side, cool. If you're into it for the utility, cool. If you're into it for the trading, and that's that's a big part of it as well. Um, you know, and speaking of uh, the the price of ETH and things, one thing I did want to touch on. You know, I think some of the earlier news with what you did was, you know, right now we're seeing one of ones are being very. You know, they're having some success in this space right now. You know, I think that utility case NFTs, you know, you buy this, you have access to that, you buy this, you unlock that. Those are pretty big. You had some, some one of ones uh, early on that, you know, that fetched a pretty high um, dollar amount um, or, or British pounds amount for, for the listeners out there in the UK. Um, And I remember, I think I I could be wrong about the timing. I think uh, the USD price of ETH was around 4,000 or so. Uh, and you sold a one of one Rex City for twenty five ETH, and then there was a second one uh, that came not that long after that for eighty two point eight eight ETH. What what did that feel like to you, as somebody just do? You know, we talked about your background. You clearly have a, a great headspace for this, but you're you're a little bit newer in in the space of presenting yourself as an artist, but it's resonating so much that people are spending upwards of what they'd spend on a board ape or right now, you know, even higher than what they'd spend on a crypto pump. What does that feel like for you? It's amazing. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's a double edged sword. I think on the one hand, it's like, wow, this is great. Like my art selling for a high price. Does it mean I'm a good artist? Like, do people really like my stuff that much? Like maybe I can do this, you know, maybe have a future in this. I can, I can do it for a living. You have all these, positive feelings um and honestly like when the 82 ETH trade uh, sale went through i was just like it was a secondary sale i was just like well, you know what the hell is going on this is just insane um and you have all these feelings and it's like wow like it's it, you know like it's like it's the feeling of it wasn't necessarily the feeling of like i've worked really hard on this and i'm glad that i've achieved it and i think that part of it came later for me it was kind of like a 
wow, I never really thought I had any talent as an artist or anything like that. And maybe I do, maybe people do really like this stuff and maybe it's good. So that's the positive feelings that I felt at the time. I think you then have these negative feelings where you have like a bit of imposter syndrome. It's like, well, is it right? Is this the right price? Are people just speculating on my stuff? And you know, like, am I good enough? Like I haven't, I haven't been an artist for 10, 15, 20 years. A lot of these people have been artists for their whole lives. And why, do, why am I the person that sells it for that much? Like, do I really even deserve that? Um, and then you obviously have the second wave of like people questioning it, like people esteemed collectors or artists who've been there for a long time. And it's like, you know, this isn't fair. Why is this guy um, selling for this much? And, you know, people tweet out and be like, you know, it doesn't deserve it. Why would you buy this when you could buy this and making all these comparisons and stuff like that. So I think the second part of it is definitely a bit harder. And I think that's where my confusion and like struggles lie kind of thing. It's just like, I started, and I always have to remember, I started drawing things just because I enjoyed doing it. And I used to do it a lot when I was a teenager, like 13 to 18. I did a ton of digital art um, online and then I just, whatever, I just deleted them all and went to university and like did other things. I never really thought it was going to be a career. So it's something I've always enjoyed and I just rediscovered it and just started doing it for fun. Um, but I guess like the way I am is like when I see an opportunity, I'm going to like try really hard to make the most of that opportunity. And this turn from something fun into an opportunity and then the thing things change it changes from like oh whatever i'm doing this for fun and who cares what the price is to like okay i'm putting a lot of pressure on myself now to like to not like not, not like to sell things for high prices that's not really what i'm going for but it's to like i feel like i want to prove people wrong i want to prove people that maybe i do deserve it or maybe i do have some ability and and that's a tough thing. And then I have to question myself, like, do I really think I have that ability or not? I, I'm, the answer is I'm not really sure sometimes. Like, um, I don't know. Like, I'm not, I don't have a background or history in appreciating art. So I don't know, like, is my stuff considered good art? I have no, I have no idea. Or is it just like, I've managed to like pull together a community. Like, I don't really know. And I think that's a tough part, but I'm really, um, I've become over the last year of creating stuff, I've become really attached to the things that I draw, especially the one-on-ones and they're all, meaningful pieces to me and even the additions as well they're all like not everyone will know this but they're all like pieces they're all like slices of my life or they're like maybe slices of my head and things that go in my head and it's like it's quite like a tough thing to put those things on canvas and just unleash them and like some pieces people will resonate with because it's like hey here's a guy at a computer like trading like everyone gets that and other pieces people may not resonate with because they might just be like what the fuck is this um and you feel quite vulnerable and that kind of stuff so i guess for me it's like when those sales went through, I was like, this is amazing. Like I, I, I was so elated, but um, it's then resulted in me putting a lot of pressure on myself and pressure to like try and prove myself in a way where I can show that I can hit those numbers consistently or show that I can be appreciated by, by um, collectors considered to have a good taste. You know, you and I are aligned very much on, on so many things. And I think one one thing, I, first of all, let me say thank you for being vulnerable. I mean, I know that, you know, we all, especially those of us who are putting things out, things that we're not super comfortable with. Um, I have a buddy, you know, who says we need to start getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. And you started to see validation. You know, yes, of course, you curated a community, but it, it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't done in, in some kind of like strange manufactured way. You know, your art sold for what it's sold for. And it, it is a little, it, it is different, you know, and, and now that we see some of the, um, the glitch, uh, the glitch art pieces are selling now and things like that. So maybe at that point it was a little bit ahead of its time, but I don't know anybody out there who's, um, and this is my, my personal thing. Cause I'm involved in the space. You obviously know a lot more people and, and stuff, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm not out there seeing anybody flooding, you know, OSF or, or wrecked guy. So, um, you definitely do deserve it. And you never know, like, look, my, my background was not in trading. My background was, I worked as a, a teacher of kids with special needs and behavioral disabilities for, for a couple decades. And, uh, you know, when parents asked me to, uh, to tutor, I felt bad about charging, you know, because I'm just kind of like, I don't know, like, I just want to help. I just want to be a good person or I just want to add value here. Uh, and eventually they were like, no, this is what other tutors are paying or, or charging. You know, this is what, this is what you're doing. This is what we want to pay you. And I'm just, all right. I mean, I got, you know, I had a wedding to pay for at that time. I didn't say no and that kind of stuff, but uh, you, you know, you're getting the validation from the communities, but also art collectors. Like the, you know, a lot of communities, 
or whatever you want to call them, like alpha groups and that kind of stuff. Like everybody's talking about OSF. Everybody's talking about Rec Guy. And I do know, I do know the auction, the recent one that that's went up with the the guy who got wrecked with all who was trading. I got priced out of the auction pretty quick. But man, that, that was a really that was a really cool one. Speaking of kind of the animations and the things lighting up and all that. Couple other things though, I do want to touch on, and and again, thank you, and and certainly this this is a platform for you to kind of share whatever whatever you're feeling. Um, yeah, of course. A couple other things I, I do definitely want to touch on. So we talked a little bit earlier about the wrecked show. Now I do know that some people got to hang out a little bit after the main party ended. I have some friends who are holders of the red light district. Uh, I certainly had my eye on that, and again, it was one of those things where I was doing something else. A little bit of time went by and I was like, oh, come on. Like now it's, nah, it's had a, now I got to watch from the outside as my friends go and have a, the, the, you know, the, the private experiences and those kind of fun stuff. What, tell us about if anyone's out there you know, listening. I think a lot of collections, a lot of communities have um, whatever they want to call it, like that cornerstone piece or something that really just, uh, you know, highlights uh diehard members of the community, if you will. And I think for, you know, for Wrecked Guy and what OSF is up to, uh, I think the Red Light District is that. Please correct me if I'm wrong. What is it about the, the Red Light District um, that, you know, and I'm trying to, I can cut this part out if I can't remember it, but I did read a slogan, um, RLD, what is it? There was something about the RLD, uh, you know, don't fuck with RLD. Oh, yeah. Don't, yeah. Don't F with RLD. So, yeah, I'm not going to edit that part out because you don't. <laughs> um, yeah. So what is it about the Red Light District and those holders that really kind of separate, you know, that community from, I guess, like the rest of the NFT space? Yes. Yeah, funny thing. So the the RLD piece, I the, the story behind that piece, I wanted to make a piece for Valentine's Day, but I didn't want to. As you can see, the theme of Retcon all of a sudden, there's a lot of theme in my art. I didn't want like, oh, here's like a happy couple on Valentine's Day and this is all like warm and gushy. Like that's not, I wanted to do the opposite. So the idea was like, okay, this is the story of like someone or a group of people who um, are single on Valentine's Day and they don't have anything to do. And so because they just have nothing to do and they're looking for like some kind of companionship, they walk to a, to a red light district in, in Amsterdam to like, try and feel a bit of Valentine's Day and feel it for themselves. So that was the reason why I drew that piece. And um, I really liked how it came out. Like it was definitely at the time, this was maybe like the fourth or fifth piece that I had, I had made. It was just like so much better than any of the other pieces that I'd made. And I, I could even tell that. And I was like, ah, I could sell this as a one-of-one, but I just want like more people to like, uh, I don't know, have a piece of it or appreciate it. And so I was like, you know what? I'll just make it an addition. So I made it an addition of 210 and I, I listed, they're all at um, 0.069 ETH was the price. And I did the whole thing by Alice. And believe it or not, the thing didn't sell out. Like it, did, it actually didn't sell out. And I had a ton left over. So I just gave a bunch to like friends and family. I kept some for myself. Um, but I think this is the first point, And this was, this was long before Rex Guy, two or three months before Rex Guy, I think it's the first point, like a real, someone, people had a piece to form a community around and I created a channel in our discord called RLD. You know, some people flipped it, some people kept it. And, um, it just already started to grow and become this community of people around it. And I guess the thing that really added value to it is I did this thing where, um, and I think, you know, I think I was maybe I think the first person to the whole, like utility token and airdrop thing was, was Jake the DJ to his credit. But I think this was probably the second one. So this is before you had all this, all the stuff that you see now. Um, I was like, cool. Like I, I, I made a random piece. I didn't think it was good enough. So I, I actually airdropped that piece to every RLD holder. And then I saw that piece actually had value and its value was like almost the same price as RLD. And so like the trader in me was like, oh shit, like what if I just do this every month and people are going to be like, oh, RLD has all this value and I have all this like dividend yield is the way I like, I like to think about it. So um, and I just did that completely randomly. I had no, I didn't think of it. I didn't, I didn't plan it or anything. I just did it randomly on a weekend. So, um, the next month I was like, cool, here's another airdrop. And by the way, I'm going to do, give you guys an airdrop every month until for the rest of my life until I die. Um, which maybe sounds like a crazy promise, but in my opinion, making 12 pieces a year once every month is really not that much of an ask. Um, and I really enjoy doing it. So that's not, that's definitely not a burden for me. 
But I think that's when it really started to take off because people were doing the maths. People were like, okay, cool. RLG right now is at one ETH, but I just got this airdrop that's worth 0.5. I just got another one that's worth 0.5. I'm going to get these airdrops forever. Like it should be worth way more. And I think when people, when it clicked for everyone else, it just all took off and, you know, a bunch of people bought, um, bought them. And then I think, and, uh, you know, it really rose in price. And I think they're at 16, 17 ETH now. But I think the main thing, the main thing that was powerful for it was not necessarily the airdrops. It really is this inner community and, like that Discord channel is so good. And there are just so many smart people in it and no one else really knows about it. And eventually someone finds out about it and they get pitched on it and they come in and, and join. But, um, you know, you have stuff like the proof pass, you have ether rocks and all these things, but honestly, like, and I know, I know this for a fact because I know some of the people in real life in this community, obviously, and there, there are people who I used to work with or, you know, people I used to, who are maybe clients and stuff. And like, um, I can really really tell you these are like literally some of the smartest people but you just have so many smart people in one room and it's really good banter everyone gets on with each other it's really good and i think that's the th- that's what's made everyone stay in that community and not not sell at 10 ETH, 11 ETH, or 12 ETH, or 13 ETH, or 14th whatever and i think the airdrops come as the next thing but um that's kind of the kind of the story of the rld and i'm very grateful for it because over the last year you know all these guys have ended up becoming good friends of mine and the way I always say it is like, it's just, it's just this amazing group chat of people that I like and we're all, it's not like I'm leading this RLD. I think we're all on the same level and um, yeah, it's just really a great vibe in there. That's, that's cool. Yeah. I, I, that's actually how I got, um, I caught on to RLD through somebody who actually said that same thing. They, you know, they look up to you, but also feel like you're very approachable. Uh, so I got to give a shout out to my friend Inceptionally out there because if it wasn't for him, I don't know, I would have, you know, got involved with, you know, the rec guy and even been there in London and, and had a chance to, to be at the rec show and everything. So, um, big shout out. And I, I have to say, um, you know, yes, maybe at the time there were people who were looking at it at an ETH, maybe some flipped it. And as you said, it is almost right now a time of recording 17 ETH. So OSF, if you have any of those left over, Travi.eth is the ETH. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But, it, you know, it does go to show too, kind of going back to that speculation discussion. You just never know, like especially through uh, 2022. To maybe end of 2021, a lot of people got into NFTs for that speculation game. Uh, you know, I have a, a good buddy in the space who <laughs> refers to it as JPEG roulette. You just spin, you just never know which one's going to actually hit. Uh, and it, it is really great to see the ones that have been sticking around and the ones that have been hitting, you know, floor, floor price aside. I mean, I think whether you're talking community involvement or just really cool IRL events, which is something I personally am bullish on. Like that's to me, like that opened the door of the utility conversation. Uh, that was like a little bit before, um, Ah, man, I don't even probably the end of 2021 where I saw owning an NFT can give you access to things. And then being at NFT NYC, the one in June, actually going to events and things that, you know, in real life would cost upwards of however many hundreds of dollars to go out in a city for the night you have access for holding an NFT. It's just it's just super cool stuff. So anyway, you know, everything that that you're doing and continuing to show up is something that I talk a lot about. Um, I saw you on stage at NFT London. Um, saw you and and I believe it was at the uh, I, don't, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this because you, you weren't advertised but I believe it was at the Adam Bomb Squad and Deadfellas event yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yep, there, down yeah. in Basel in, in Miami and um, you know are, will we see you at NFT NYC in April this year yeah I'll be there you know I want to go to as many events as possible because as you said I think it's um, it's a it's another like dimension in which you can connect with people. And I'm, look, I'm in our discord all the time. I chat to everyone on discord every day. Um, and I like to, I really like to like speak to collectors and holders and stuff and not just be like, Oh, Hey, I'm this big creator. I don't speak to anyone else. And you go, go speak to my community manager mod. Like I like to get involved in stuff. And I view that the same way as in real life as well. Like I want to just go around and speak to people and meet people and stuff because number one, because I'm like super grateful and thankful that, there are so many people that continue to support me and Mando and everything that we're doing. Um, number two, I just like, I don't know. I just like making friends. I like hanging out with people. Like I like having a drink. I like, um, doing shit. You know, I'm just, I'm just a normal person. I'm just a normal guy like anyone else. And I just want to live a normal life. And, um, for me living a normal life is 
not shying away at these events, you know, like if I wasn't a big creator and I was just a normal collector, I'd go to these events, I'd speak to people, I'd have a beer with people, I'd chat to them and, and have a laugh and have banter, right? Like, um, go out, like party, party at night, whatever, like I'll do all that stuff. So why should that be any different? Because I'm a project founder and because more people know me, it shouldn't. Um, and like, I know you have to be careful about security and all that kind of stuff. And I'm always, I'm always making sure I'm safe, but I don't want to be this person who's like, who changes who I am with people just because of this other thing that's changed in my life. And I feel very strongly about that. And, um, I think that's, I think that's, I think that resonates throughout our community. I think that's why everyone in our community get, get along so well, because, um, I'm just there in the mix in the middle of it. Just, just, you know, literally like ripping shots with one guy or having a beer with someone else or whatever, because, uh, that's what I enjoy doing. Yeah, you know what? I have to say this. I think the you know first time when when I met you, I think it was right after your your talk in NFT London. And if you're out there listening, you know, I, not not a lot of things you know make me nervous. I, I get I get I geek out over music a lot. Uh, and then there's the occasional person in the space, artist wise, that I have a lot of respect for that I'm just like a little bit more nervous than usual to talk to. So, um, you know, he's right. He was super nice. He had no idea who I was when I went up to him. Uh, and then even, even in Miami, uh, you know, you even, you said that you remembered me, which was really cool. Um, and I think there was even something that metaverse Miami, I think I saw you at as yeah, well. I think it, for was. Just, it was, yeah. 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 So there's, there's a whole lot of stuff that, you know, that you've done and it's going to be really cool to see OSF continue to show up and represent for his community, but also represent for the good people in the space who, you know, want to really go out there and, and represent well, far beyond, you know, just saying, Hey, you know, this is how much my NFT is worth. There's a, a whole community at play here. One thing before we talk a little bit more about some of the other fun stuff that you are known for doing. You came out with the additions, and I think I was at the airport about to go to NFT London. You came out with, uh, it was the, the cities, right? It was the, the wrecked cities, um, and there were a few of them. And I was sitting there at the airport, and I was about to mint, but I was just like, you know what? I don't trust this Wi-Fi. <laughs> and again, and again, I'm on the outside looking in. Like I was just like, oh, maybe when I land and I get to the hotel, like it'll be fine. No, by the you know, by the time I'm off the plane, there's none left and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's just one of those funny things that I feel like happens to me so often with some of my favorite <laughs> some of my favorite projects in this space. But there's something about that what you did with the wrecked cities that makes it stand out. And again, something that you continue to do, make it a little bit different. Tell everybody out there about you know what the rec cities is all about and how some of the art or even uh, the colors in there can change yeah so the, the idea behind it like, i love cities and a lot of the pieces that i make are based on cities cities at night time i'm just fascinated by them obsessed by them i always have been ever since i can remember like as a as a young child and it's been and even in the art that i used to do when i was a teenager i've always just put cities in there cities at night time and so I wanted to do something that was like called wrecked cities and just like really be focused on, on that idea of cities. So uh, I think the cities I did were London, New York, Paris, Hong Kong, and Tokyo. And I wanted to make it a bit different. So what we did was that we had two, the image has two states. One state is if ether's down 5% or more in the last 24 hours. And one state is up, if ether's up 5% or more in the last 24 hours. And the image changes based on that. So it was like, you get this nice animated image of the city. And then if Ether's down 5%, then it turns all red and um, a bit more aggressive. And this is like the wrecked version of that city, basically. Um, so that was the idea behind it. And it was really fun. I had like, we did that drop with Nifty Gateway, who are, who are amazing. And it was really fun to create that. And it was a cool, it's a cool idea. So I really loved doing it. I really enjoyed it. And it was the first... Um, you know, it was the first drop I'd done since that had a bit more size to it since, since wrecked guy. And it was a good opportunity to get some new collectors into the, um, you know, into the whole ecosystem, but it was a, it was definitely a fun one. Really fun one. Um, I'm still mad at myself for whatever. Maybe if security purposes was maybe better, I, I didn't trust the airport Wi-Fi. But yeah, that was definitely one that I was. I, I love what you've done with it. I think it's such a really cool concept. And I remember when you were working on it too. I have some other collector friends in the space, and they were trying to get you involved in one of our collector groups. And and uh, you know, every, every response was like. 
I have negative time right now. Like I can't even, I can't even look at what it is you're sending me, but I do, you know, I do love the, the, the people in the group and all that stuff. So, you know, it's, it's all, it's all love in the space. Everybody loves what you're up to. Um, and one of the things that again, you're, you're known for as well, it's kind of that rug radio fam. I, you know, I, I think that I'd be remiss if I didn't bring that up. You mentioned Mando obviously a few times. Um, you know, Farouk is, is one of the, the, the leaders in the space influencer wise and things like that. Um, let's just talk a little bit. How did, how did rug radio for, uh, for OSF sort of, uh, come to be and you know, what has that experience been like for you? Yeah. So when Mando and I quit our jobs at the end of 2021, we wanted to do a weekly tw- Twitter space just to talk about our thoughts on the market, talk about NFTs. Um, and Farouk, who we didn't, we didn't, didn't know him super well, but we did know him a little bit from, from the year before. He was like, look, I'm doing rug radio. Why don't you guys just do a show on that instead? And we thought it made sense because we, did, we didn't have a huge following. It was, we were going to be in this whole thing and um, it would give us a good audience. So, um, so yeah, we went ahead and did it and we started off by doing a show, I think once a week, then we started doing it three times a week. Then it ended up being a daily show and what it is now. And, um, honestly, I, I'm, I'm definitely very grateful for it. I think it's given us, um, you know, we get a lot of listens every day and it's definitely given us a great audience to be able to, um, build on and, 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 um, show what we've been doing in, in, in the background, whether it's been with DJs or Rets guy or even my art. But it's also a great forum for people to come in and just discuss things and hang out. And look, I think last year was a very tough year for a lot of people. And even though I think everyone got desensitized to it by the end of the year, like there were moments where people were down 50, 60% in one day on stuff. And you put in so much money and people are like, oh, this is so bad. Like I feel frozen. I don't know what to do. Like I'm struggling. And we really, you know, we really pushed our shows then and really spoke about what to do in those kinds when you when you're feeling that way or when you're, trying to like make some kind of disaster recovery or whatever. And I, I, f- I just feel like in what was a tough year and what was a real bear market, Rug Radio, we did a show every single day for that. And it was a, pe- a place for people to come and listen or hang out. And look, I, I hope it made a lot of difference for a lot of people out there. And I, I can't say that for everyone, but um, it just makes you feel like you're not alone in the space, I think. And that was the main thing for me um, um, in, ter- my, in terms of my main takeaway from it. And it just, you know, I think it, it's a really exciting idea and project and it just keeps growing and i think you do need i mean just look at how terrible the the reporting and media reporting is by of of traditional media um by traditional media of crypto and nfts like no one has a clue what they're doing because they're not in the ecosystem so i think you need people who are web3 native to actually take a lead in in reporting and giving thoughts on the correct things in the correct way and i think rug radio will play a big role in that um it already does play a big role in that. I think it will continue to play a big role in that. It certainly does. And I think it's interesting how you said it. It really helps you not to feel alone in the space. You know, I remember during the pandemic days when, you know, Clubhouse was the thing and uh, Farouk, you know, was garnering a, a big following there. And uh, at least for me, that's how I got to know. And, um, you know, seeing the success of Rug Radio now, it's, you know, it really does. It's It's got a lot of following, got a lot of loyal listeners and things like that. And I feel like a lot of people pay... Uh, a little bit more attention, you know, when something is mentioned on Rug Radio than just, you know, Joe Schmo's, you know, she'll, she'll cast or <laughs> shilling space, um, which, you know, it, there's a lot of those out there. So it's nice to have a little bit of consistency. And, you know, again, too, like, it's great to just get a, a feel for, you know, for what you and Mando are doing. I do think it, it adds like a, a good juxtaposition with a lot of the, the you know, the, the let's goes and those kind of things that you're used to hearing in the in Twitter space. So I think it, it is a great team that you have. And of course, the whole everything going on with rug radio and and you know and their nft and all this stuff has been going great um you know and, and it's something else i feel like that you're a big part of you're you're a big supporter of uh we call it soccer uh you call it football uh, i think one of the funniest tweets um that i read from you was i think it was during the world cup i think it was right when uh america and england were, were about to play and of course we tied because we we, we all have to stay friends in this space we can't uh, we can't be that you know that mean to each other i guess i don't know but um I, I think your tweet said it had a soccer, uh, it had a, a, a football, a soccer ball, uh, and it said soccer ball. Uh, and then it had an American football and it said hand egg. 
Do you know the one I'm talking about? I know about? exactly the one that I'm talking about. They took him out, yeah. Uh, so now every so we we've got the American football playoffs. So now every time I see somebody, uh, you know, or or my wife, you know, brings up, hey, maybe we should put on the game. I'm like, oh, you mean the hand egg game? So it's kind of <laughs> like it's kind of like a household joke here. But anyway, um, listen, I've kept you for for a while. I, I do want to make sure that we touch on anything I didn't mention yet. We've talked about so much, you know, OSF from his days as a trader, kind of getting a little bit bored there, uh, you know, kind of doodling and what that turned into. With the whole wrecked guy. We've talked about some of the big collectors like Cosmo de Medici and Snoop. The red light district holders still bummed. I missed out on that one. Some of the additions uh, and what's really cool going on with the wrecked city. So if you're a wrecked city holder or you're just interested in watching it, check out what happens when ETH goes up and down 5%. It's a really cool concept. And of course, you can always check out OSF on Rug Radio. We'll have all that stuff in the show notes. But OSF, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure just chatting a little bit with you. I feel like I can talk with you all day. We align on so much, but if there's anything that you want to say to the listeners out there that we haven't touched on yet, please lay it on them. Yeah, no, if, it, if you're someone who has collected a piece of my art or wrecked guy or DGENs or anything like that, I'm, uh, I'm extremely grateful. And, you know, like I'm, I'm going, I'm trying to go to as many events as possible this year. And if you ever see me, just don't hesitate to come up and say hello. Like I'm not, uh, I'm not a scary person. I'm a pretty friendly person. I, I'd like to think I'm easy to talk to. So um, yeah, just, uh, just want to get out there and, and meet everyone and hang out with people. So, uh, that's pretty much it. All right. So let's get out there. Let's hang with OSF. Let's all get wrecked. That's R E K T. OSF, thanks so much for being here. Fired up on the blockchain with Travi. I appreciate your time so much. Thanks, man. This is OSF and I'm getting wrecked with Travi. What a great guy, that OSF. I'll tell you, I'll tell you. Um, but nah, for real, great guy, and the wrecked guy is a great guy too, or gal. And it's been really awesome seeing OSF everywhere, and I'm really excited to see what continues going on with the wrecked guy ecosystem, with a lot more fun stuff coming out. And thank you again to friends who uh, helped introduce me to the wrecked guy ecosystem, uh, people who I actually had a chance to hang with IRL at the wrecked show, so inceptionally and Andre Decalife. I think uh, we're going to have to try to meet back up at NFT NYC if that's in the cards for you guys. If not, we'll we'll catch up on another one. But uh, really absolutely love this conversation with OSF. I hope you got some value out of it. Obviously, he's a person who's got uh, good headspace for the trading game, for crypto, for NFTs, for branding. There's a lot of stuff that he's involved in. So an absolute pleasure to have OSF here. And it's been a pleasure working with a lot of the folks who have helped the journey become uh, a, a little bit of a, a speakeasy uh, sleeper project. I, I think that's the best way I can explain it. I mean, it's it's a, if you know, you know kind of thing. It's a Genesis drop. Well, I didn't even put a, its own Twitter page out yet because I wanted the people who are really involved in the space to be the ones to see what's going on. And um, yes, of course, there will be one. But in the meantime, we are housed in the Disco Studios Discord, as you know. And now there, you can check out our profile on thehug.xyz which I can't believe I'm even saying but that's the thing that I'm saying so you need to <laughs> you need to be okay with it too because uh, it's getting real out there uh, you know if you were uh, somebody who was an early Genesis holder of the journey I think you're going to be extremely happy with a lot of the things that we have planned uh, way into the future uh, some of those things are with our partners so I'm going to shout out real quick Dgen brand clothing their link is in the show notes and they are our official merchandise apparel partner you can get your own nft on a shirt or a hoodie get some other fun stuff in their shop good friends over at zealous greg who helps me make twitter spaces super easy in terms of right into a podcast very very quickly i mentioned at the top unstoppable domains you can get yours right there in the show notes get your digital identity today and if you like the Fired Up theme song, you can actually own one. Speaking of Genesis Drops, it is by Nax, or I Am Nax. It's uh, I Am Nax, N-A-X, dot X-Y-Z. And uh, the website is in the show notes, and you can pick up a Genesis token. I have to say, it's been one of the coolest utility. Like, I get brand new music dropped into my wallet 
at least once a month, if not more. Uh, and the song uh, Gang just came out. So <clears throat> you can check out some of uh, the Fame Lady Squad and Crypto Chicks uh, dancing around in that music video. Uh, go find that. Go find, check out Nax and uh, see what he's been up to. But everybody, it's, this is uh, it's a lot going on. <laughs> we got the podcast. We got our friends at NFT365, which I'm happy to co-host. We got a couple more recordings coming up for you on there with Fanzo, where I'll be chatting away. Uh, and if you haven't heard it yet, check out Board Becky's podcast from the blockchain. I'm on episode 50, going into a lot of my philosophy uh, on life and how it relates to my uh, own personal journey into the blockchain. And a uh, good friend of mine, Jay Thorne, is going to have some really cool announcements. Jay Thorne is a host of the Music NFT Show podcast. So if you haven't heard about what Jay Thorne's been up to and some of the things going on in the music biz, Web3 style, check that out too, because I have a feeling he's going to be back on our podcast with some really cool info. In this crazy, mixed up, kind of nerdy, kind of cool, brand new world of NFTs and Web3. And uh, check me out on Twitter if you haven't yet. It's at Mr. Travis, though, M-R-T-R-A-V-I-S-T-H-O. And let's do it together, guys. Let's get out there and, and spread that one love and do what we always try to do best. That's bring one love to Web3. I'll catch you next time.